With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Whenever Monday comes, you'll find my you'll find me crying all the time, eh? So it's a Monday after the night before. Some mamas and papas there to start off yeah. <laughs> um, so it's me and Russell today. How are you doing, Russell? Oh, just top of the world, mate. Honestly, love it on a Monday. It just keeps getting better Monday. for me appearing on this show, mate. Honestly. It's uh, Monday after the night before, really. Uh, last night Celtic were defeated by Ross County, who were then bottom of the league, who are no longer bottom of the league. Um, I think the first thing we have to do is give Ross County a bit of credit. Uh, they've done what every other team can do to us this season. You sit deep, make sure you didn't make any mistakes, and as long as you put in a decent set play, you're uh, you're, you're going to get a uh, you're you're going to get the you get fancier chances anyway, aren't you? 
You've got to fancy your chances, aye. You've got to fancy your chances. I mean, this season promised so much. It really did. But it's turned out like that time you were offered to go to Ali Fraser's villa in Mallorca and you found out it's in the middle of nowhere and there's six Geordies, a Scouser and a Brummie and a Cockney still building the pool, eh? It's been that much of a letdown. Um, Paul, Paul says last night, eh, what positives could you take for the game last night? And the only positive I could take for the game last night was I wasn't sitting on a bus for hours coming back down the road. That was uh, only that was the only positive I could take. What about oh, yourself? Was there anything that you could take for no, last no, night? No, I mean, no, last night. I mean, we, we, we've talked about final nails in the coffin and stuff like that. Last night, I think there was a lot of apathy in the air. I think there was a lot of people, you know, going, you know, you see it coming. I think, I think on the on the broadcast last night, I think it was JP had said, you know. When, when Christy missed that open goal, he didn't actually feel the same sort of frustration that he's used to feeling, you know, at such a guilt-edged miss. Um, I felt more angry last night than ever. Uh, and it's actually quite sad because you're just just as well to, to back you up there. I, I totally want to give kudos to um, John Hughes and Ross County as well. Bottom of the league, um, he actually told us what he was going to do before the game. He actually said to the BBC before the game, I've told the players how important set pieces are going to be. If we get a chance to take one, then you know we, we, we've got better physicality than Celtic both ends of the pitch. So he knew he was he knew his exact plan, and I thought these three subs at one point as well were all done obviously with whatever. However, he was seeing the game it was completely different to our manager. Um, I don't see any any plus points last night in the slightest. Uh, I thought I thought last night was a further step backwards. Um, and then I actually felt more annoyed last night than I have done um, with some of the, you know, there's so many bad results now, you know what I mean? There's so many. And I felt last night, for, you know, I, I was I felt more cheesed off last night than I have more the other ones. And, and that honestly comes down to uh, Neil Lennon um, and how he's conducting himself right now. Um, I've got, a, it's interesting with Ross Kerry, and this was before they'd scored. I was thinking it last night. I was like, I'm going to bring this up tomorrow. They bring this tactical stuff up, man. <laughs> I, I've got a feeling John Hughes, right, set up his tactics based on playing against Celtic. I have got a theory now that I think Neil Lennon, you know the jiggery-poker he does with the lineup and the tinkering he does? I am not convinced anymore he does that based on who the team is he's playing against. I'm not even convinced he looks at the tactics that the other team are going to operate with. Because he got asked a question on Sky last night, something about the tactical battle. And you could, it was embarrassing. I mean, he didn't have a, he didn't, he was stumped, stumped for words. I'm not sure he just looks, you know, if you're playing like football manager or whatever, you're only really looking at your own team and skipping through it as fast as you can just because you've only got an hour to play it or something. I don't know. He seems to just be picking his team based on what he sees with his team. He doesn't seem to be picking teams that are remotely based on the opposition we're against or with any sort of knowledge about how they play or set up. Um, I wonder what you think about it. It was just, it was just it was a thought that crossed my mind last night. Because sometimes the tinkering he does doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I mean? It's quite difficult to actually give him any merit on tactical decisions whatsoever because the, yeah. the majority of the teams that we play sit deep. They sit deep in the crowd, the centre area, and they make sure that we kind of get balls into the box and we can't play through them. Yep. So his team yesterday, you've got five centre midfielders and you've got three guys who end up all playing in the same position in the most crowded area of the pitch. We've got no width. Uh, Waxall gave you a bit of effort, but he didn't actually give you any end product. 
he ran about a bit, he ran about a bit and done done here and there and like he looked interested, but he never gave you any in any end product. No. John Joe Kenny offered absolutely nothing on the right hand side either. We'd be better with Alston out there for what I've seen of Kenny now. We've seen me have just thrown money at the this loan deal for a player who is no any better in Ralston for what I've seen at this precise moment in time. You go to, you go to the, before I get onto the subs, uh, I noticed that with, the, with John Hughes' subs, the three subs in a row, uh, the three subs at one point, and, and somebody, somebody in the comments can maybe answer this for me. I take it that only counts as one thirty second then. So everybody says when they're adding time on at the end, it's 30 <laughs> seconds per subs. So when they bring on three at the same time, does that just count as one thirty seconds? Maybe someday, some maybe somebody that's more knowledgeable about football can actually tell me something like that. Want to get what I learned last night, Russell? Want yep. to know what I learned last night? Do you know what Just Eat is called in Australia? <laughs> Menu log. <laughs> so the stream I was watching on, it was an Australian stream, and Just Eat in Australia is called Menu Log. So right. I'm one. So. This is going to get me to where I was actually gone there. Gavin Stratton and his iPad. Do you think the, the boys were ordering the Just Eat for the wide in the road? <laughs> I mean, do you think when Lee Griffiths was completely ignoring him when he was coming on as a sub, Gavin Stratton's actually got to him. Do you want fried or boiled rice with that Lee on the wide in the road? <laughs> because, because Griffiths was taking no interest whatsoever in what Stratton was telling him. Well, Griffiths is trying to stay match fit, Kev, you know, he can't be looking at those sort of menus. That's been his problem all season. Jeez, oh, but no, I, I mean, I agree with you. I thought it was quite, I thought it was a, a, a subtle at the time moment. And then when you, when I heard them talk about it on on, a, on the, the review show after last night, I thought, I did notice that, but I probably didn't take it as big a deal was what it was getting made out last night. And the more you thought about it, the more you saw, do you know what? That's kind of very symbolic of this season. There is no, there's no connect between the, the, the PLC and the fans and there doesn't seem to be any connect between the management team amongst themselves, let alone with the players as well. Aye, it's, there was a bit just after it as well. And all three of them, all three of the backroom staff were looking at Gavin Stratton's iPad and he had his wee pointer out and he was pointing about. Right. And, and, and I'm going, oh, I can't believe it. I don't think any of them are actually believing what they're saying to each other here. See, like, what I will say, though, if everything wasn't going wrong for us this season, we won that game last night. We score one of the guilty chances in the first half, and we yeah. won that game easily. I do think the uh, uh, Lennon was Neil Lennon was getting a bit tight last night for smiling uh, in, in the post match and for what he says. I wasn't really bored about him smiling because sometimes you've just got to shrug your shoulders and go, things are just going that against me at the moment that I've got no chance of turning mm-hmm. them round. But what I really got was when he was asked the question about the set plays, his answer was. I can't change it now. And I'm going, that's your job to change it. You should have yeah. been able to change it nine months ago. When there, was another, the, there, there was another, I don't know, he flung in when he was talking about the dependent set pieces as well, I noticed, which is racking up left, right, and centre. And the more you listen to his answers, sorry, interrupted, but I mean, like, the more you listen to his answers, the more I don't know, as you'll start to hear just whilst he's thinking of words to say. And I picked up on this about four weeks ago, I said on here, I went, I clocked him saying, I don't know, three, t- three different questions. And I went, he's now using just empty words. He's just 
chucking words at the journalist just to get away from the interview. They don't take anything that you say with, you know, anything more than a pinch of salt. And last night, again, dropped into the middle of him trying to talk about the set pieces. I don't know, blah, blah, and carried on. And you're going, this can't, you, you know, this is madness. This is getting silly now. Um, and yeah, I just think when it comes to the set pieces, what someone I seen on Twitter last night was talking about them. And even he sounds, I mean, he's just a mate. I mean, for Stalin, who, who can, who's good at guitar. And even his analysis and, and a couple of uh, tweets um, seem to make more sense than what you're getting for your own manager. You know, he was talking about how deep they are, they're set up when the balls are coming in the box and that it's no wonder then if there's anyone not being picked up that such as the close-range proximity of the striker at the goal, if they get anything on target, the keeper's not got a chance to save it. I thought, that sounds actually quite, that sounds quite constructive. Instead, I've just watched Neil Lennon on Sky Sports 10 minutes ago saying, well, I can't change it now. I don't oh, know. Well, I Maybe love... they don't want a head of the ball. That's the other thing he said. <laughs> well, this is madness. It's getting silly, you know? It is, it is utter madness when you hear your manager going, I maybe they're no brave enough to actually head of the ball in both what boxes. What are we talking about? I understand when you get put in under that sort of pressure straight after a game and you've got to come out with some sort of coherent um, <laughs> diatribe or like phrase or stuff like that. Yeah. It can be. It can be sometimes. Difficult. I can understand why it can be sometimes difficult, but to just keep on saying I'm bitterly disappointed, that's the new Tony Mowbray take it on the chin, ain't it? I'm bitterly disappointed. Uh, I am bi- I'm bitterly disappointed every Monday that I have to come in here and talk about watching yeah. that rubbish. I know. Uh, and <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's going to improve anytime soon. I mean, I can take beautiful failure, but I can't take failure where there's no effort whatsoever, and yep. this has been this season. There's yep. been nothing whatsoever. I've seen a lot of people online going, is this the worst Celtic season ever? I'm struggling to maybe compute that, but I can't remember a period of football as bad where we've been brutal to watch and also the results have been going our way. The, the last season under Stratton was poor, but we were still getting results, which sometimes can gloss over things. Eh? But this, by this time, we've been utterly shambolic since August. I we've remember been, as well, Kev, it's, a, it's universal across every competition we've entered as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's the big point as well. Do you know what I mean? It's not just, okay, you look at the league and you see us 18 points behind and that's, you know, disastrous. It's the Europa League, the most goals ever conceded in a group stage, thankfully for the, the, the win, which we deserved in fairness in match six. Um, but it was, a, it was a game that was meaningless from our point of view that we played with no pressure on. That stopped us from having the lowest ever points total. Our earliest Champions League finish in 15 years. Uh, League Cup, basically our first round of that at home in Ross County again. Put out of that. I mean, it's across the board. These four competitions has been abject failure, I would describe it as, you know. So that, I understand why people are, you know, talking in such sort of serious terms. Do you know what I mean? I think for me, and I'm going to agree with Stephen Ray in the comments here, Stephen Ray says pound for pound, this has been Celtic's worst season ever from the position that we were in. I mean, mm. in, the nine, in the 90s, we were up against uh, financially doped Rangers. We, yep. we, were, we, were in an, we were an absolute shambolic state. We had no money, mm. we had no way of getting money. So in the 90s, finishing fourth and fifth, 
when we did during Rangers first nine in a row, I mean, we weren't competing then. And I think this has been on par with that season that we've never competed. Even though we're going to finish a distance, we're going to finish second. Uh, third's going to be, a, we're going to finish a distance second from first, but third is going to be distant from us as well. I, I yeah. get what I was trying to say in my head there. Eh? <laughs> And, and we're finishing second, I, I, we're finishing second and, we're going to be, and we're going to be just as many points behind the first as what third are going to be behind us. Yes. That's, a bit, that's a better way. There you go. I, 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 I got it eventually. Um, so when I think back to the John Barnes season, when eventually when Kenny Douglas took over, we were absolutely brutal to watch. I remember one game against Kilmarnock, a League Cup, semi-final and we had mm-hmm. six central defenders on the park Alan Stubbs played in the mid- middle of the, the, the centre midfield yep. that night yep, yep. and Lubo scored one that hit the crossbar and went in we were brutal towards the end of that season and that's where we are now I reckon this is probably the worst season performance wise in 20 years the points total might end up up there and might be comparable to certain seasons over the last time if we can go on another run which seems to be five games, seems to be our top whack that we can get at this precise moment in time. But that was uh, that just just to say as well, that was his, what, the first thing he mentioned in his disappointment as well. You know, it ends the it ends the winning the winning sequence of the winning run. That's what he mentioned as well. Talking about five it? games, mate, when the league was already a bogey, and he's uh, throwing that in there. It's all about self defence. Honestly, self preservation. That was one a, of the that was the first reason he gave for being bitterly disappointed. Or, First or second reason it was something like that, but it was it was high up the list. But to that it was it brings the it brings to an end the run that we're on. You're going, what? Uh, like this is nonsense. Nonsense. Uh, it, it was a bump on the road. He says it's just a bump on the road. Fucking, uh, we've, been, we've been hitting speed bumps all season. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think the I think the journalist actually said that first though, and he just kind of he just as I say because he doesn't have a clue what to say. Just repeated uh, the words that the, the interviewer said. Eh? I mean, comments like that just it beggars belief. And I could see where, uh, where Tony was coming from last night in the pod as well when he was talking about feeling insulted, um, you know, with some of the comments that are getting made um, by Neil. He says, don't insult me, you know. And I think it's important, you know, just to, you know, when you said it, obviously I think they were referring to the mitigating disaster comments when we then go and have a performance like that again. Now, we just spoke about him smiling, you know, when he came out and he says, well, I can get it when someone really just has to say the season's not going our way, you know, so that all they can do is smile. But the fact is, that's the opposite of what he's saying. Just, you know, the day before, that's the opposite of what he's, what he's saying is things aren't that bad. So when we get beat, he should be shocked. He should be stunned. Because remember, this hasn't been an unmitigated disaster. Things aren't as bad as they seem. But instead he comes out smiling. It's, ah, it's so frustrating. That's one of the things last night that, um, the commentators were saying this is a shock and I'm going, I take it they haven't been watching us this season because this is not a shock. Nope. We've seen this game so we've seen this we've seen this game so many, many times before this season that this is no longer a shock to us. Can Paul Cheap says Lennon has absolutely obliterated everything Rogers had put in place the eighteen months he's been in charge. Can I disagree with that? I cannot no. disagree with everything that Rogers Bolt is now gone. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy with MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland, Smith School of Business. Inspired, fearless, unstoppable. Which is ironic. Ironic you just said that word. I was hoping that was the word you were going to say there. Because, of course, he walked off in a huff again last night at the end of his interview as well with Rob McLean. Um, because he asked, he had... Rob McLean had the audacity to ask him for a second time, are you the man, you know, do you think you're the man to do this rebuild? It was Lennon who, you know, bumped the house down. I mean, how, would, how on earth would he be left to be the man? He, you know, he sees no reason why not. That's what he's telling you. He's got no reason why not. It, there shouldn't need to be. I think the foundations that were built by Brendan Rogers and why, looking back, he was so clear in his conscience, which really did hurt us because it was like, Look at, you know, convicted he is in his decision-making. But I think Rogers would have thought, even a Muppet can't wreck this. Do you know what I mean? You've got, I've just left you 10-year-old gift wrap. All you need to do is carry on doing what I'm doing. All the foundations are there. All the players are on side. All the fans are on side. You know, it was it was an open goal. Instead, Neil Lennon's took that completely apart and then thinks he should be the one to build all the pieces back together. Again, I just find that really, really, you know, so far from reality, it's... It's quite, it's quite bizarre. That's well, one thing I've noticed over the last six, seven months has been Brendan Rodgers' team were two, three moves ahead. When somebody received the ball in a certain area, they had one touch and they played it with a second touch because they knew where a man was going to be. The, the team was that well drilled. When you look at this, when you look at this team, they get the ball, they take one touch, two touch, then they look up and they see what's in front of them, then they make up their mind what they're going to do. Reactive. By the time they take that setting touch, that the team that's sitting deeps back, they've closed all the space because they can actually see the runners. If you look at the, the chance Ryan Christie made last night, as soon as Callum McGregor went past the man in the middle of the, the middle of the park, Edward was off. Christie was off, knowing f- exactly what was going to happen next. They, they knew that Callum was going to play that ball. Eddie knew Callum was going to play that ball. Eddie knew where Christie was going to be. Mm-hmm. And that's that. That's intellect. That's football intellect. What Lennon has tried to make us do is play on instinct. Get the ball, have a look, and see. Have a think about it at the time. Don't think about it before. Don't think about it before you get the ball. Wait until you get the ball and see what's happening, where modern-day football doesn't work like that. If you look at the Brendan Rodgers' side, they played in patterns, they played in shape, they played in a system. They knew if the right-back got if the right back gets the ball 25 yards from his goal, the midfielders knew exactly where they were going to be. If you look at our team, you, the, the, the ball goes along the back line, you see Stephen Welsh stand there going, right, what am I meant to do with this now? There's no, there is no forward thinking in this time. In this team, it's reactive, and they try to play on. It's basically get enough good players on the park, and hopefully they do something. I think that's a good way of putting it. I think he definitely is still caught in that. I, I don't know who it was that said it. it might have been you. I can't remember. He says he, you know, he's tried to mould Ryan Christie into a Chris Commons light. I thought that was an amazing, amazing way to put it because it was. 
maybe back then, you know, Commons was, you know, I don't know, he was a good 10 years older than what the likes of the team are now. And maybe that Commons had maybe been when he was younger and an era where there was Mavericks and teams and players did play on impulse. The managers just trusted their good players to get the job done. And he was very much that guy for Neil Lennon. Just go out, if you get a sight of goal, hit one for 25 years, make something happen. You know, go for the extraordinary, you're good enough and just build up his ego as opposed to, you know, coaching them. But his players right now want, they want all aspects of coaching. Of course, they want to be motivated first and foremost, which tends to be in the modern day as well, Kev, not by giving them a blast and certainly not in the media. They want to be motivated by being, you know, arm around the shoulder and all that. But most, first and foremost, I think players want coached technically. They want coached through every phase of play like you're talking about with Rodgers. And, you know, just for a bit of balance, I felt maybe towards Rodgers' second half of his second season, certainly his third season at times, we were, it was a bit dull to watch, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. But the players were so calm in that because they knew in the formula that had been given to them that the, the door will open eventually. They've just got to keep doing it. But for balance, it was beginning to grate on the fans a wee bit. It, it was, definitely. I remember it at the time. It was slow. It was whatever. But I think it was a lot more methodical than what we're seeing right now. And I think that's the whole the whole difference is that there was, as you say, there was a, there was definitely a schooling that was going on while they were, while they were playing that slower football, whether it was possession-based or not. But as you're watching us right now, as you say, it's very much impulsive ideas. Rely on, you know, if you can't rely on one maverick in the middle of the park, one creative player, just stick three number 10s in there and just hope between the three of them, one of them will come up with something. And, you know, I, I thought it was uh, Ryan Christie's miss. You know, just that, that was the biggest, you know, well, come on, Neil. It's, you know, it's only you who can't see that not playing two strikers against bottom of the league, you know, is going to come back and bite you. And I thought that open goal miss from Christie summed up maybe his season in a lot of ways as well to a lot of supporters. It certainly summed up the decision just to play one up top. Um, it's just, it's not, it's not right. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. And we can look back and if you were looking at the game at a, as a one-off, you would say, if this was a normal season yep. and that game happened and you'd look at that a one-off game, you'd go, that's, that's what happens in football. Sometimes you dominate a game, you didn't create much, but you've got free guilt edge chances if you score one of the games you, you score one of those chances it actually becomes an easy game yep. if, if, we, if Brian Christie scored that in the first half then I, I reckon we won that game easily last night because Ross County are not going to change tactics we played into Ross County's hands you've already pointed out John Hughes bringing on the three players that was always in his game plan if they were if they were nothing each or one nothing down, they three players were always coming on to try and get something, and that's a manager thinking ahead, and that's something that we don't seem to have. You mentioned you mentioned Rogers. The players were comfortable in the system because yeah. that system was well drilled into them, and they knew if we keep on going, it's eventually going to come. It's eventually going to come. Yeah. We'll just keep on going. We'll keep on going. We'll keep on going. The cup final against Aberdeen for the invincible treble. Aberdeen played really well for the first 50-odd minutes of that game. Mm-hmm. John Johnny Hayes probably should have put them to the... That's right. 2-0 up, wasn't he? John, Johnny Hayes crossed the ball because he stole it for Callum McGregor. But you saw in that game the importance of having belief in your system because the last half hour of that game, you knew that we were going to win. If that mm-hmm. game would... If 
Aussie Cam hadn't scored that fantastic goal, the goal that we all wanted to score, he won it anyway. If that game into extra time, I reckon we're taking three goals off Aberdeen in extra time because yeah. we had them on the rack because we were playing in a system we were. We were playing in a system that the team were comp- uh, confident in. And we don't yeah. have that. There's been too many chopping and changings. There's been mitigating cir- circumstances for a lot of that. But for me, a lot of it's poor coaching and poor recruitment. Yeah. You look at look at Barkas. Barkas never got anywhere near the bench last night. There's no way to manage someone that, Kev. There's no way to manage someone that. There's too many examples of it. Whether he's done it collectively, whether he's called out Lee Griffiths, that he him on a couple of occasions, then makes him his first choice sub to bring on. Um, whether it's Welsh getting, like I was saying last week, brought in for the, the old Spurn game, played the next game, then out the squad altogether. Whether it's Connor Hazard uh, being, you know, playing in a cup final and then being back down to third choice out the squad again. Um, whether it's Barca's being told he's the number one, uh, wanting to be number one. Three games later after that, he's out the squad a couple of weeks after that. You're watching, he's just, it's just honestly, like this is what I'm trying to say. I mean, I don't think he's, Basing his team selections on who the opposition is, I'm not convinced he's basing it on form. He just seems to want to make mad decisions, and I don't know. And he doesn't seem uh, when when things aren't going right for him. Um, I'm beginning to find as well that I think he's acting a bit petulant. Um, I, I think we should talk about his body language. To be honest with you, last night I just thought, you know, the sitting with the feet up and all that is just nonsense. And I think he knows the camera's panning to him. I think he's well. Of course he does. He's been in Scottish football for twenty years. He knows fine well. You know what I mean. The camera's going to pan to the manager's dugout, and it's like a defence mechanism he's now got. As he wants to, you know, he's he's pushing back when things aren't going well. He just becomes a wee bit of an awkward bugger. You know what I mean? For want of a better word, and you know the feet up and all that. You're going. No manager sits at that full stop ever. Do you know what I mean? So why are you doing it when we're nil nil with the bottom team? Because before they even scored, he's like that. Um. He then walks away from a, from from Rob McLean, like I say in that interview as well. Just walks off, maybe he's doing it, and then he's still shouting over his shoulder. See stuff like that. The smirk at the start of Sky Sports. Stuff like that, I feel, is contrived. I think he definitely. I think he's definitely right now. Uh, knows that the fans don't want him there, so he's just pushing back a wee bit now as well. Um, he holds all the aces. That's that's the thing right now. For whatever reason, I don't understand it. He was a manager that was kept on to so he could win a treble. <laughs> when even though the results were mind-bogglingly bad, mind-bogglingly bad um, he was a manager that basically now seems to be, if, if you believe what you're reading all that, not getting removed because of a, the size of a compensation package and has literally been given a free reign to do what he wants. Peter Lowell apologises for something. He comes out and contradicts it and goes nuts at everyone. He's fallen out with his team. He's fallen out with the media. He's fallen out with the government. He's contradicting his own chairman. It's... And this is all happening, and we're still now getting beat off Ross County, and we know there'll be no change today. That's me done, by the way. I've not got anything else to say for the rest of the show, by the way. That's me all out. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that you done? Is that you done? <laughs> Do you think the way that Lennon's behaving is sign of an arrogance that's engulfed the, the club since this period of domination? Say that again? Do you think the way Lennon is behaving is... Symptomatic of the arrogance of the club in this period where they're going like that to us. He's a one four trebles get on with. We know better than you. We know we know better than you, and you're not going to tell us what to do. Do you think we're just seeing that manifesting itself in Neil Lennon? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's a good way of putting it. I think at times the 
the fans have been frustrated by the board who obviously have not been listening to us at all or, or listening to, you know, the the vast majority, shall we say. I know there is still, you know, a lot of happy clappers out there and I don't want to offend any of them. But I think um, when it comes down to Neil Lennon saying that last night, I found that really poignant, you know. Well, you know, nine, nine titles in a row, it's not exactly a bad spell, four quadruple trebles. How is that in remotely getting brought into, you know, let's talk about what's going on this season. Let's look at, you know, let's look at the reality. If you want to talk about facts and stats, Neil, let's look at the facts and stats of this season. And the most glaring one right now should have been, we just got beat 1-0 two minutes ago. I'm humiliated. I'm, you know, I'm upset. I'm gutted. I don't know why it's not going like this. Just show a bit of humility. For him to be then going back to this party line, as you might be describing, I think, Kev, of remember that, remind him that we won nine in a row for a second time. You know, 2-1 to us. Uh, remember, remind them that you know it's a quadruple treble, and it was you who got that last treble. It just uh, there is an arrogance about that because the, the important thing to be a progressive club is to always be, always to be thinking of the next match, always to be thinking of the next tournament that you're in, always thinking about the next trophy that you can win. Um, to be looking back the way he is is in such stark contrast to what the previous management team was. You never ever heard Brendan Rodgers talking about, well, they can't be bad players because they won a treble, an invincible treble last year. Can you imagine him ever saying that? Can you imagine him with his feet up? You know what I mean? Can you imagine him smiling after getting beat off Ross County 1-0? How has this all been allowed to just collapse like this and the standards fall so much in it to become now a petty, petulant sort of battle between the fans putting up, you know, and don't do not enter signs on Twitter left, right and centre to get a manager out who's chewing snooze with his feet up in the dugout. This is a nightmare. The whole thing is. <laughs> I don't know how this has happened. There's only one person that allowed it to happen. Something he says last night as well, I think it was on the BBC, mm-hmm. where, he sort of, where he sort of says that, oh, it's an end of an era, this team needs rebuild and why, mm-hmm. why am I not the person to do it? Yeah. <laughs> you've just told a dressing room that you want rid of half of them. And you've been telling them that for most of the season anyway. You've just told players that they didn't heed the ball because they're no brave enough. You've just told the players that you've got no clue how to coach them and how to defend their set play. I mean, this is just a car crash from start to finish. This is it's, it's, it's something that you're just going, I'm going to need to laugh at this because mm-hmm. we're, we're now in Liam Brady gobbledygook ter- territory where, yep. just, where you're just saying anything just to actually pass the time of day. Yeah. The, yeah. And there's a lot of self-preservation there as well. There's a lot of, these are the areas that need resolved. I've identified them, and funnily enough, none of them are me. Aye. There's a lot of that there. It's a lot of the lack of bravery. It's players who don't want to be there. All of this nonsense. Mitigating circumstances. Uh, stuff. Did you notice, was it last night you said stuff behind the scenes that we can't talk about as well? Refer to all that again. It's never him. Never, ever him. And it, it's went far too, far too far now. But even the more the most you know fierce Neil Lennon supporter now has to just you know wake up and you know just accept that this is a complete disaster and you're not benefiting anyone by keeping him there any longer. I don't think it's, it hasn't worked. It's not going to work. We're not suddenly just going to turn a corner and everything's no. going to be great next season. That's not going to happen. This is gone. It is an end of an era. I say that after the Scottish Cup final. Yeah. Says it, it yeah. doesn't matter after that Scottish Cup final after that says this is it it's done move on now let's have a six month run at our next era and that, that hasn't happened for whatever reason the board have decided they're not going to do it 
and they're going to sit on their hands and wait until the summer. Now, I'm not going to go back on what I says. I still believe that there's change. I still believe that the Celtic man, whoever's going to be the Celtic coaching staff next season, know that they're going to be the Celtic coaching staff next season. I believe that. I'm not doing that with, I'm not saying that with any sort of inside knowledge. I just believe that when that last night, I could take it a positive for that last night, that the club, after watching that last night, the club can then go, there's no way they can even think about keeping him on next season. Say we had went other. Already. Unless there's already something. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a positive I took about last night. I've seen people in the comments here and all of that going like that. He's here next season. The way he's talking, he's here next season. I think that result last night should calm. That should end that talk completely. For me, I, I think Celtic will do the right thing in the summer and will move on. And I, and I also think that they'll do the right thing with the support. With regards to season books value, I think yep. the new guy. I think the new guy coming in is going to bring an injection of energy which has been lost, and hopefully uh, an injection of humility as we're now back to being underdogs. I love being underdog. I think it suits us better. Actually, this is this seems like the Star Wars franchise. Eh? How many times did the rebels need to blow up the Death Star and allow them to rebuild it? I mean, no, 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 I know how they feel, eh? Can we not just blow up once and, and that's it? The rebels have won forever. It just doesn't seem to happen that way. So I'm quite bad. I'm quite actually, there's a part of me quite pleased I'm back in the rebel camp. I'm back, I'm back in the underdog camp because I think it suits the support better. Eh, I don't think our support reacts well or to... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I switched to Boost Mobile and got a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone. Want to know the best part? Uh, it was free? Nope. The fact that it's on America's largest 5G networks? Nope. It's the ding. Oh, yeah. Love the ding. Right? It's all about the ding. It's the dingarooski, the dingarona, the ring-a-ding-ding. Unleash your power to save with Boost. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A23 5G phone when you switch. Boost Mobile. Unleash your power. And the ding. Limited time offer. New customers only. Available on select networks. 5G not available everywhere. One device per line. Tax excluded. Additional restrictions apply. See your local Boost Mobile store for details. Uh, I, I, I don't think we're in the best light when we get unprecedented success. I mean, mm. I, I, I must admit, I remember taking a sharp intake of breath when we started singing the 10 in our, ten in our own song. Going, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't like that. I didn't like that. That's that's just setting ourselves up for a fall there. And I just remember my, my mad brain going, no, we shouldn't be doing that. It's the same mm. with doing the huddle. 
if when you see Celtic Park doing the huddle, and I hope to God we get to see Celtic Park or whoever whoever your higher power is, if you don't believe in God, I hope to whoever we get to see Celtic Park doing that huddle again. But you always see two guys, me and my cousin, no doing it. Because we done it once and the other team scored and I says, I'm never doing that huddle again. Unless the game finished. Eh? So it's just me super stupid superstitions that. like that. Eh? I'm all, I'm already looking forward to our next victory, our next silverware, because it'll be the sweetest one. Because we've came from here to where we actually want yeah, to go. Totally. So we've got to look positive somehow we've, we've got we've got to look forward somehow but there's things that we do need to change there was a question up er, er, earlier who do you want in charge of Celtic next season I think, I think the fact of the matter is we have to be as ambitious as we possibly can um, I appreciate what you're saying about when we're you know you don't like us being you know maybe that you prefer us being the underdog but we can't think like underdogs when it comes to what we want to do with the management structure, what it comes to when it comes to signing players, or even recontracting players for that matter. So if it was me, I'd be going all out for Rafa Benitez. I think he's the most realistic big name that we can get. Um, if not, I still think Eddie Howe, from everything I'd seen about him, um, and that rumour was ripe, I was really encouraged by by what I thought he would be able to do with this, this squad. Um, the Sean Maloney one last week, it's probably a more realistic option in terms of availability or, or cost and etc. But as long as we went and, and had a conversation or approached Rafa Benitez's agent team, whatever it is that works, you know, above him, you know, I'll be happy with whoever it is we get. If I know we've started up there and we've had to work our way down that list, but we've been ambitious, and I think that's what Celtic lack right now. And um, we like that from top to bottom, to be fair, because I was thinking about our chat last Monday and. It was this acceptance, you know, I'm doing polls about, you know, what, what loan players would you want to keep? And then uh, uh, Paul was asking me, you know, about three players, you know, uh, I or Christy Edward, is it likely we lose them? Or why is there such an inevitability about Celtic when they have a player who does well for a year or two that they've got to go and, and, and uh, you know, they've got to go and find pastors new? You know, the financial reality of it, I understand that to a point, but... You know, if you look at that Rangers team right now, and I'm sorry to bring it all up, but they are totally by 18 points ahead of us. And there doesn't seem to be this inevitability with all their better performing players that they're going to jump ship in the summer and they'll be sold. And this, I think there's quite an apathy even developed with, with that side of things as well. Do you not agree with that? I mean, why is it that Edward has to go? He must be pretty settled here. He's been there for three years. You know, if you get the right manager there who could boost his profile, get him a better move in a year or two's time, why is that so far-fetched? Um, and if that is the thinking, then, you know, Rafa Benitez, Eddie House will be far-fetched as well. Um, we need to try and be more ambitious as a club. We're a big club, massive club. Um, I think our European ambitions as well have been completely diluted um, in favour of going for this domestic 10 in a row, whereas they should have went hand-in-hand hand and... I just all I care about when it comes to the new manager, who would it like to be? I want it to be the the highest one on the list that we could get. And if that means it was from the very top, even better. And if it means it was the next one down or the next one further down because we made serious approaches to the ones above, I'll be happy with that. I agree. I, I really do agree. Uh, I, my I says last week when I was hosting on Friday that I, I took a bit of positivity from the meeting that the Celtic Trust had, just the wording that came out of that, that they're looking to Europe 
Um, they're looking yeah. to be measured. We're looking to be measured in Europe. It's quite it's quite bizarre talking about this just after you've been handed back pocketed by Ross County and John Hughes. I we're talking about beating Paris Saint Germain and competing in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and uh, we 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 can't we can't we can get three points in Dingwall. Um, never mind, never mind anywhere else. Um, I've, for me, I think the new coaching team, wherever Russell's disappeared to there, uh, somebody must be at his door. Uh, I think the new coaching team and setup is already in place, but I don't think the coaching team will be there until after the Euros. That's that's my thought. Um, I think the director of football will be appointed before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's everything's pointing to the guy from Man City, uh, Fergal Harkin. Okay. <laughs> Fergal <Sharkin. laughs> uh, so that, that, that's what's looking to. So I, I would reckon we would see the director of football uh, appointed before b- before the end of the season, and the management team will come in after the Euros. If the Euros actually goes ahead, yeah. I've got a funny. For me, I'm now. I, I'm. I now want us to play the Celtic way. I'm fed up. I'm. I'm more annoyed. You lose games of football. That happens. That happens in football. You lose yeah. games of football. It's the way that we're losing them. Uh, yeah. We're not. We're not playing in an attractive style. I would rather get beat five four than what we're actually the, the one nothing's getting beat. Like getting beat one none for set plays as we're actually as we're actually doing. And for for that I would like to see Martinez Maloney come in to actually get us to play a style of football which is befitting of the football club. Again, that, that, that see talking about that and what we're actually watching it, it just seems that, that we're arrogant. Going, I I want to I, I want to take the coaching staff from the the number one nation in the world for them to go so so we can beat Ross County and Dingwall and hopefully get into the Europa League. That just see when you actually say that out loud, are we actually delusional? Are we actually delusional when you when you start saying stuff like that out loud? You're going, wow, maybe we are delusional. No, it's funny. It's funny because when you think of stuff like that, I mean, Martinez, it's when you start like going, ah, but his wife's Scottish. Find his wife's Scottish. See, you're clutching at every straw you can to make it potentially possible. Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, if you were to get, so if you could somehow get those two in, I mean, you'd be, you know, cooking gas. I think, I think Martinez would be, I think he'd be an upgrade on Rogers. That's all the truth. I would go as far as that. I really do. I think he's better than Brendan Rogers as a manager. Um, what do I think he laid the platform for him at Swansea? Uh, definitely, I think I thought he was. I think Martinez would come in. And I think he would. I think he would be unbelievable. But yeah, I mean, we just lost to Ross County. It might sound a wee bit delusional, like you say. <laughs> talking about this, um, I think. I think what's important though is, as I say, uh, you know, when you're looking at the managerial appointment, we have to show more ambition. What we did last time, Kev. Uh, the jobs for the boys part are, you know, I've heard getting banded about and we really do need to get away from this, you know, rash decisions, but yeah, we have employed a former player, ex-manager in the showers after a caretaker spell. In between that, sat by Bolton, sat by Hibs. I appreciate mitigating circumstances of Bolton. I appreciate that 
he wasn't actually sat by Hibbs. It was mutually consented or whatever it was, or he was suspended and then they couldn't reveal it. Sounds like mitigating circumstances to me again. But the fact of the matter is, nothing had happened in between his first Celtic spell when he left us to his second one that should have got him that job. Now, all I'm hoping is that if there is going to be the managerial change, and I appreciate there's comments coming in as well with people worried now that Neil Lennon's confidence that he's extruding in these, or I don't know what I was trying to say, uh, the confidence that he's showing though at uh, post matches at times is giving people the fear that he obviously says, like, I'm not going anywhere, I'll still be here next year. I get why there's a worry about that. Um, if though, he is going to go, and I'm, I'm confident that he will. I am still, you know, more more positive that he will than he won't. Although he is giving me the fear a wee bit. Um, we we have to be thinking bigger than what we did last time round. And you know, the frustrating thing is, we probably will think bigger, but we'll think bigger from a position of weakness as opposed to a position of strength. And that too often has been uh, synonymous with me supporting Celtic for the last twenty five years of my life. To be honest with you. I look back at UEFA Cup Finals in 2003, O'Neill was given buttons. Do you know what I mean? That summer when it's a position of strength, you're looking to build on a very good side, you know. Um, that's just one example. But do you know what I mean? I just think we were in such a good place when we won that treble. It was a treble treble that O'Neill and won. Let him disappear into the sunset. That's fine. Keep happy days, you know, shake his hand and then bring in someone of that level again, like Rogers or maybe not, maybe if it's not quite his level. Someone with that gravitas, someone with that reputation, someone who's going to get us all, or believing in winning matches again and secure the ten. Instead, we'll probably go out and get a bigger name this time. But we'll be having it because we've, all, you know, we're having to come back, as you say, as the underdog, and it is a bit frustrating that, that aspect to it. You know what I mean? Jungle Wine makes a great point. Sixty-two thousand pound a week for one players and seventy thousand pound a week for Wall. You get some manager with that money. Yep. Nail, nail right on the head um, because <laughs> I, I look at Athletic Bilbao and, I, and I've spoke about them b- before on this they yep. know because they've got a shallow pool of talent they can choose from they always make sure they get the best manager that they can yep. uh, James Doherty p- makes a great point Jack Rossi's wife's Scottish as well so we need to do that now. We need to take that into account. If, if, if we're looking at potential managers, the reasons that they were coming to Celtic and the reason they were coming to Scotland, uh, we need to take that into account as well. Um, I'll I have a look. The names... Neil Lennon was a boring appointment. The, 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 you need to think outside the box. There's interesting appointments out there. There's plenty of Ralph Raniak clones. They're all they're all around Germany. They're all around France. There's been a couple of names put in here at the Rennes manager and a couple of managers in Spain who would bite their hand off to take the Celtic job yeah. because I spoke on Friday about the fundamentals and the, the infrastructure of the club. They would look at that and go, "I want to go there yeah. because of us, basically." Yeah. Because yeah. of where's us. that self belief? Where's that uh-huh. self belief? And I'll tell you this as well, I would substitute there the word boring for lazy, Kev. Boring, lazy, arrogant. It was a lazy appointment. It was a lazy appointment. And it has bit us on the arse so bad. It really has. That's the disappointing side of it. You know, and, and I appreciate it. See what JP was saying last night as well, um, before the game, and he was talking about, you know, being a Celtic fan, there is a romance involved with that. And he says, he goes, I know it's not popular, but there's a bit of me that can't help 
but we'd love to see Neil Lennon actually get the gig next season again and win it back. And then obviously after the game, he says, <laughs> forget I said that, any shred of that's now gone. Um, I don't think Neil Lennon was appointed in a romantic way. No. Do you know what I mean? I would have got it more if, it were, if there was an element of romance. I don't think his second appointment had that element of romance that you know you would associate with a, a former hero coming back. I felt it was a lazy appointment. It was unimaginative, as you say. Um, it was cheaper than maybe a lot of options. Although I appreciate the fact I don't think he's on. You know, you know, he's he's, he's not going to be he's not he's not going to be skint anytime soon. Do you know what I mean? But I think uh, with regards to what he is getting paid, I would imagine that some of the CVs coming in, they would have known that tender discussions with them would have obviously cost you know a couple of quid more. Um, He's just won the treble. Treble, they use those trophies as a weapon, as, as sort of, you know, to say, to justify the appointment. Um, what could they possibly use to keep him on for next season? Um, whatever the I know people are worried about it, and I am too, but now I've just said that, I think, we, you know, what could they possibly, what could possibly be the reasons that they could give us? We're, we're scant. Nobody else wants a job. <laughs> Nobody wants a job. Uh, I just had a comment up there. Reno Gattuso's wife's Scottish as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> Napoli got a bit, of a, a, a bit of a turnover yesterday as well. It's Where do we go? It's a not known. It's a really not known going forward. What would it take Neil Lennon to stay? I reckon, I, I says in January, Nate Lennon's had the conversation. He knows that he hasn't got a role at the club after the summer. And and, and, I, and I do see a bit of that in his behaviour. Yeah. There's, a, there's a kind of, I am still helping out with next season, I'm still doing this, I'm still doing that. There's an element of flippantness with his answer and just batting away questions. Mm-hmm. And folks say that he's trolling us, but then is he really going to come out in a press conference and go that uh, I'm no, I'm no, not today we here next season because I'm not going to be here. He is not going to say that. Um, I think he could show more humility, though. I think, I think I appreciate. You know, it was headline news today that he says I'm sorry last night, and the funny thing is that's the first time he said that all season. Um. That he's actually he's made an apology post match after the disastrous result, and I think that is that is quite damning on on, on you know his you know sort of self preservation crusade that he's been on, um, because there's been t- no one he understands Celtic twenty years twenty one years association he he gets it right he totally gets it he knows what's acceptable and what's to be apologised for, and yet it took to last night. February the what twentieth last night. Oh, I don't even know the date. Let's be honest, but whatever it was, and yet that's the first time he's apologised this season in what has been an unmitigated disaster of a campaign. Um, I think there's a big difference, Kevin. I appreciate what you're saying. He's not going to come out and go. Ah, chances are you're right. I'll not be here next year. I get that. That's fair. That's a fair comment that you make there, and I, I think that should be took on board. Um, so that's the issue itself. Monday afternoon, I say. Don't get, me a nine, don't get me a 99 a 99 <laughs> um, but I think um, with regards to his humility in the interviews that's what he's been lacking at times um, and all he's actually done is disillusion a lot of other, the, the playing squad you know he's fell out with the media he's fell out with old pals he's contradicted the chairman like I was saying earlier 
all of this is bringing the house down in a far grander way than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've just been cap all season, do you know what I mean? It's that's one thing. But when you've got now, you've now managed to force players' hands and make them want to get to the exit door quicker, things like that. It's it's, it's frustrating and. You know, the thing is with, with Brendan Rodgers and uh, uh, Peter Lawwell, right? We discussed what well, Peter Lawwell didn't like the fact, obviously, that Brendan Rodgers was the man with sole control. I think Celtic this season has pandered more to Neil Lennon than any manager ever. He got everything he wanted in the summer. We didn't sell one player. We spent a fortune. And like I said, I went on my rant already about sentiment then coming into play, getting away with terrible win percentages and uh, 2 and 12. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Getting kept on just so you can win the treble treble. Um, then a disastrous January. He's took full responsibility for Dubai, so that seems to be on him as well. He comes out, he completely contradicts the chairman. He goes ranting and raving. He then still finds us 18 points behind in the 10 in a row season, and yet we can't do anything about it. I think that's more control than Brendan Rodgers ever had. Well, is that the mitigating circumstances? He want, Seemingly he wanted to let players go in the summer. Seemingly he wanted to let players go in the summer. But then I look at the recruitment that have came in and I went, I'm quite glad you didn't let players go or we could have been in a worse yep. situation where we are now. Jim Hannaway made a, made a point earlier on. We're talking about Celtic no spending big on a manager and he mentioned Steve Clark. If you bear with me here, I reckon Steve Clark is at the top of the low level list. If if you understand what I mean. If you're talking about a manager that's not going to command a Benitez or a Martinez wages, but yep. who is still a higher level than what we've got just now, then Steve Clark is at the top of the lower end wage scale. If, if, if you understand what I mean. Yeah. I, I don't think Clark would take the job. I think Clark's got a lot of credit in the bank with Scotland now getting us to the Euros. And there's a World Cup qualifying campaign, which if you look at the group, there's a, there's a very, very good chance that, we'll, that we might actually qualify for the World Cup. So I don't think he's going to take that. Um, I don't think he's going to jump. He was considered for the job uh, before we appointed Ronnie Dyla, seemingly. And whatever okay. happened, then, whatever happened, then he didn't get it. I'm going to bring up a comment, and I know Joe Porter's comments up there. And so you've got Marcelo Gallardo, Dan Pet Rescue. I know I've says that wrong. <laughs> Andre Shevchenko, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest, the greatest, the greatest playground joke ever, man. <laughs> uh, John Terry and Xavier Garcia. Joe Porter brings up all these names and there's an interesting list out there. 
There's there's hundreds of these guys kicking about that would do a job for Celtic Football Club. But everybody looks at the obvious list. Your Steve Clarks, your Davey Moyes, your Eddie House. Nobody goes deeper. Nobody actually goes deeper and like goes, who else is out there? Who else can we actually get? It's maybe no a name. This is where the director of football might come in. The director of football might come in and go, I know somebody is going to actually the vision for my football club. He might he might have a coach and it might not be a big name coach. That could be I think there was a name mentioned over the weekend in the room of the guy who's currently the development manager at Man City. That, that, that's a fella there. So you, you, you would have a, a relationship there between the director of football and, and the coach right away. Yep. But would the, would the Celtic fans accept that? A guy who really hasn't managed, he's been assistant manager at Pellegrini, I think, at West Ham. I think he was assistant manager there. Uh, so would the Celtic fans accept that? The usual thing that gets bandied about is arrogant. What has he won? Well, Brendan Rodgers hadn't really won much, but he was a development coach and he suited the football club. Neil I Lennon. Think, Neil I think Lennon. as well, just to say about that, 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 that structure there, which sounds great, I think they would get a lot more um, respect from the fans than they back to 10. Back to 10 in a row, and that project plan that you wanted to do, we'll all be on board for it because we're on such a high. Now, appointments like that are really risky. Really, really risky because you've got this tidal wave of you know, emotion from the Celtic fans. It's all of ne- of crazy negative proportion right now towards the, the, the PLC. They make an appointment like that, a left field one. It doesn't capture the imagination. It doesn't help build bridges. It doesn't help get everyone back on site. And then Dominic McKay's might be looking to start an off on a back foot as well, which isn't really what we want. Whether the appointment makes total sense in a football and football aspect, unfortunately, won't be what everyone's looking for this time round. But they that's the difference. For, but they went for a safe option with Neil Lennon. That's what that's he knows the city, he knows a football player, which was which was the reasoning given for Neil Lennon getting the job. Mm. I'm, I'm so. For me, a left field appointment wouldn't bother me. But, I if you're say, but if you're saying if they're going for a Steve Clark, which is seen as a safe safe pair of hands, a low-level safe pair of mm. hands, a low-high-level safe pair of hands, there you go, that's what we've got to call it. <laughs> a low-high-level <laughs> low safe pair of hands. Um, then what are we going to get? We, we're st- we could still be in this situation three years down the line. So for me, I think we need to become, we believe we're a progressive modern club. I think the club needs to show we're a progressive modern club and appoint the right structure to go with it. Yeah, no, 100%, I agree with that. Well, I, I agree with that whole that whole ideology, I totally do. My, my concern is right now, though, because this season has become what it has, that the supporters, the, the majority of supporters, are needing convinced in more ways than just, you know, with, 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 with these sort of facts that you're given there, which make total sense, Kev, on a sporting context. They do. Mm-hmm. But I think the fans are going to look for more than that now because you've bumped so many bridges. And to rebuild them, they're wanting, they want all of that, but they're also wanting imagination, profile, you know, all of these things as well. That's, that's, and that's Celtic's own undoing. It is completely Celtic's own undoing. Um, that they're going to have all that pressure on them to make that decision. As Roy Wood says, he wished it could be Christmas every day. That's what the Celtic, <laughs> that's what, that's what the Celtic fans are looking for. Gordon Mailers is in the comments. 
and he says, what top, and he's used inverted commas, what top manager is going to Celtic with very, very low probability of Champions League, major rebuild, arrogant fans, I'm no gone unless we win anything and everything in sight, and a crazy le- level of pressure because of main rival success. Yeah, uh, I mean that's, I mean, uh, that, that's uh, nonsense. Oh, that is complete nonsense. Every top manager would go there because that's what they thrive on. They thrive on. Uh, that's what they want. They thrive on pressure. They thrive on getting to. They thrive on getting top full control. Why did Rafa Benitez go to Newcastle? Because mm. it was a challenge. Because he could test himself. Why did he go to China? Right, he went to China for twelve million pound a year. Fair play, fair yep. play. But why did he go to Newcastle? Why did he go to Napoli? Why did he take the Chelsea job, knowing yep. full well that the Chelsea fans didn't want him? Top yep. managers want that pressure. That's where they end up going. That's why they end up going places. So that comment is just complete. I'm he answered his own questions. A small chance of qualifying for the Champions League, even though we finished second. So really. The remit's not changed, even if we'd won the league for a new manager coming in. You've still got an outside chance of qualifying for the Champions League, by the way. Which is more than you get, you know, 90% of clubs out there that might be able to match the wages Celtic can. They'll have an opportunity in the Champions League. A hostile rivalry with another club. (laughs) Oh, no. That sounds terrible. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is what managers live and breathe for. And I think as well... One of the attractions of the Celtic job, I think if you look at it from the outside as well, will be that looks like a one-off season. You know, a lot of managers might go, they've absolutely dominated there and you're going to be looking even better if you're the one to win it back. You know, which, because of the points gap so big this year, it might give them even more credit in the bank than what, realistically, someone smart looking at it from the outside might go. But if you look at the infrastructure at Celtic, you look at, you know, how they've been in the last decade, their performance... You look at the other the other side. Surely, you know, still Celtics are a very attractive option. I think. Colin Watt actually says Kev's tier system for potential managers is the kind of content I'd subscribe for. I'm going to set up a Patreon, Colin, so I'll, I'll, I'll put the details when the show gets posted <laughs> once more. You're right. You, you've hit the nail on the head, Russell. It's Celtic have got everything a, a manager wants. And they they are going to be. There was another comment there. We'll have a boatload of guys applying for the Celtic job. They will have. You'll be beating them away by a stick. No matter what 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 actually is going on with the club, you'll be beating managers away away with a stick. Whether they're the right managers, whether they're the wrong managers, who knows? Only time will tell. But there is going to be there is going to be a, a lot of interesting applicants if the job does become available. I don't think the job will become available. As I say, I already reckon that the guy who is going to be or the guys who are going to be in the Celtic coaching team next year already know that they're going to be there. Maybe I'm wrong but I want to believe that I'm absolutely right. Um, Maybe that's just... Who picks them then if that's the case? I do, I do reckon that it's double D, eh? Desmond. Desmond. Right, okay, okay. I, I think, I think Desmond has already appointed the new CEO without anybody knowing. Mm-hmm. An interview. I mean, uh, 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 that's a process where PLC you've got to interview for. So yeah. there's guys on that board who would have known that. Dominic Mackay was getting interviewed. Is it Dominic or is it just Dom? 
Was it? Is it? Oh, well, who know. knows? We'll just call him Dom anyway, right? <laughs> uh, 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 Dom Mackay um, was interviewed and got the job, and Paul Dykes calls him Dom. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that's going to go with that. I, I don't know what kind of rumours that'll start that Paul calls him Dom. <laughs> um, so that was done without that getting leaked. Yes. Right? So for me, that says the circle of trust, the huddle of trust round about Desmond and the way that he does business is watertight. Yeah, it's yeah, that's absolutely true. watertight. So these kind of deals can get done, and nobody knows what's what's actually happening. Nobody see, knows. Just, uh, see, just, see, just to touch a bit on that, then I appreciate the fact it's watertight, and I appreciate we really pushed for time here as well. But like. Does there come a point where it might actually be doing more harm than good not to release what that information is? Because there is such negativity around everything right now that maybe that positive views, it might take pressure off Lennon's shoulders maybe. If you think that, that that's all in the bank and everyone knows this, now Neil Lennon will know that. And how, how does that make you feel if you've got all that weighing on you and you're just giving, as you say, batting away answers knowing you're talking nonsense? Maybe if we just came out with that, if that was the case, it would give real freshness going into the final six games we need to improve that uh, head-to-head against the top six. We need to cement second place. And we want to get a couple of wins over our nearest rivals. I think the best chance of doing that, if there is something already lined up, I would announce it now because we've got nothing else to lose anymore, Kev. Well, I haven't got anything else to lose, but what happens if the the management team are currently in a, in a job and they can't they canny say that they're leaving? What happens if they? I mean, there could be legalities that they. That, oh, yep. That's that's quite difficult. Legalities, for them, like I, for them no coming out and saying that. Yes, True. Neil True. Lennon will know. I mean, I think Neil Lennon does know. I think Neil Lennon's known since January that he's not going to be there in the summer, and it's going to be dressed up. It's not based on your performances, Neil. We're just going in a big, massive, different direction, <laughs> and you didn't fit. So, like, aye. aye. So, I mean. Uh, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping. Maybe I'm maybe I'm hoping wrong, but that's what I'm absolutely hoping is that has happened. I want Celtic to do. I want Celtic to do right by the supporters who have fucked up this season. Yeah. Um, I want Celtic to do right by that. The performances for me, Dubai was the biggest kick in the teeth for me, having put money into the club this season for them to spend four hundred thousand pound on on Dubai. And so, like, yeah. then all the money on the loan signings, and it's just for me, still got staff on furlough. That's really, really quite bad. Mm. If we want to move forward, we've got to bridge that gap as well. If you bridge, if Dom Mackay comes in and bridges that gap with the support, then I reckon we'll get on board with whatever appointment happens. What do you think? Yeah, that? that's after that, wasn't it? Half the battle, um, that, that has to be the first thing to go. Look, we've got eight games left. There's only one thing that we want to do for now at the end of the season is win every single game that we've got left. Um, Kinky Cadet says all manager applicants need to be interviewed by Axel. I'm into that. My first question would be, what's the beauty team did you have as a win? <laughs> that, 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 that's that's the most important question of the lot. You need to find out what's a beautiful team these guys had, <laughs> or what team did. I mean, 
there's a lot of young managers now, and I'm coming for the 80s here, a lot of managers in the 90s, like your Chris Davises, who are 48, 49, who are, no, are 38, 39 and stuff like that, mid-30s. You need to ask them, what team did you play in football manager? That's going to replace the Sabutio question, ain't it? Definitely. I see Belfast boys comment as well, Kev. I subscribe, I we need to, need to subscribe. <laughs> right, hopefully we've kind of cheered you up. Hopefully this has been a bit of therapy for you all. Uh, thanks to Paul for his production duties in the background and his, and his sniping. Um, me and Russell will be back next Monday. And we're also going to be back with a new show as well. Me and Russell, hopefully, well, it's not, it's a, a rehash of an old show. Um, but it's a, it's been, a new show. It's a new show. It's, it's, <laughs> been, it's, it's been re- rebooted for the new generation of Axon listener. There you go. Yeah, that's your yeah, that was good. That was good. Uh, so it's like the new version of Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> bigger, better, we are bigger, better, we are budget. Uh, so hopefully we're going to start that in the first week of March, and it's going to be at night. So yep. it's going to be a bit different, and maybe a bit le- anything goes actually on it. Oh, aye. Uh, so. Aye, so that's going to that's going to be that's going to be in uh, March on the channel. You had Amy's fantastic interview with um, Jock Brown yesterday. That was it. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Just check out the YouTube. There's loads of stuff there. Loads of loads of decent guys and girls doing a lot of decent stuff here. All all produced by Paul. Um, but our so, show's called Creamer Celica, by the way. Our show is called. I scream myself, but I was going to make it as a surprise for the big announcement on Twitter. You blew that. Right, Neil Lennon's still the Celtic manager. We play Aberdeen on Saturday. See you later. <laughs> See you What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything, but losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. 
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.